Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come alongside us and walk with us this morning. Please, who both hear your word and have the courage to do your will. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone, both those joining online and those in the building. Um, I'm afraid you've got at the substitute teacher or indeed the substitute preacher um, this morning because I didn't know I was preaching until Wednesday of this week and consequently because of that I've not had a huge amount of time to prepare so I assure you that um, this morning's ser sermon won't necessarily be the slickest or most comprehensively or thoroughly researched sermon you'll ever hear in your lives so apologies in advance for that. <laughs> well, I've got some banter in the room from Ben Widows for those of you on the screen wondering what's going on. Heck, heck, heckling is probably the best, better word for it. But the, um, the one thing that I really want us want to do this morning is to bring us back to some of the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And I figured if that's all I do this morning, encourage us to pay closer attention to the words of Jesus then I can't really go far wrong. So when I was um, reading the passage, the phrase from a, from a reading, the verse from a reading that really stood out to me is this one, which if I grab my clicker, oh, it's appeared on the screen already. Thank you. Um, thank you, Davo. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And I guess that's probably a verse that many of us will be familiar with it, familiar with, and I guess many of us will even know a little song that goes with it. Goes with it. Um, we're not going to sing it, but, but for those of you in the room um, who want to just, you know, help me to remember the actions, it's you know, Paul Sheridan's leading us. Um, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and, and the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. And we could go on to the second verse, but we're not going to. You can do it in your homes, you can do it after the service if you like to. Um, it's, a, um, it's a passage, it's a story that we're very familiar with, but I think it's actually really, really interesting timing having that reading this morning with all that talk about building. Because within the life of our church and the life of our country and the life of our world at the moment, there's lots of talk about building at the moment. Building back better, as Boris and Joe Biden and many other people um, around the world keep saying. There's this recognition that over the past year or so, our lives have been completely shaken and destabilised, maybe even flattened by the events of the pandemic. A lot of the things that we were basing our lives upon that we thought we could rely on have been destabilised and called into question. There's that sense of the, maybe some of those weaker foundations of our lives, our frailties or our vulnerabilities, our fragility 
has been exposed. And there's this desire as hopefully we begin to, in this country at least, begin to kind of re-emerge from lockdowns and everything else. There's this deep, deep desire to build back and to build back better. But there's also this sense of wrestle and struggle and uncertainty about how we can best do that. And Jesus, in this teaching, encourages us and challenges us that the key to building our lives on a strong foundation is to hear his words and to put them into practice. So, um, over the past five weeks as a church, we've been listening to quite a lot of the words of Jesus. We've been doing this sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount across these three chapters of Matthew's Gospels, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. We've been listening and hearing some of the words of Jesus. So my um, simple plan for this morning in typical um, supply teacher mode is to not, ne not necessarily throw a huge amount of extra new content at you, but to do a bit of revision, a little bit of a recap, a bit of asking the class to remember and to think back about some of the stuff that we've been doing these past few weeks, and really with an eye to paying attention on being people who don't just hear the words of Jesus and allow them to go in one ear and out the other, but to be people who hear the words and put them into practice. So, um, if we could have the next slide, please, Davo, as my um, uh, clicker didn't seem to be working. Fantastic. Um, this is the just a very simple overview of what we've been um, looking at as a church these past five weeks. So um, Tina began our series a few weeks ago by looking at the Beatitudes. That bit right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tells his disciples on a mountain, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or blessed are you when you mourn, for you will be comforted. Or blessed are you when you're meek, for it's then that you'll inherit the earth. And in unpacking what the Beatitudes might mean for us, Tina told us the story about when she visited the Ukraine a number of years ago. And the way that those Ukrainian Christians she met taught her far more about the Beatitudes than any sermon or Bible commentary could ever do. Because the way that she put it was that those, um, those Christians in the Ukraine were incredibly poor, but the light of Jesus shone out of them. Those beatitudes, those beautiful qualities of Jesus shone out of their lives. And I guess one of the key things that I took from that sermon was just that sense that we're most blessed, we're most able to receive the riches and resources of God's kingdom when we're less reliant on our own resources when we don't think we've got it all, when we don't think we're sorted, when we don't think we're, we've got everything we need on our own, we know that we're poor, we know that we're vulnerable, we don't have it all together. It's in those moments that we can lean into and access more of the riches of the kingdom of heaven. And then Tina also went on to talk about the little bit which comes later, where Jesus says to his disciples, 
You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And in that moment, she challenged us, challenged us to be thinking about this particular moment of history that we find ourselves in and this little window of opportunity that our generation faces, which might be just a little bit like that um, moment after the Second World War, when another generation had to figure out how to rebuild their lives and rebuild the world. And Tina really challenged us to be seeking God and to be praying and to trying to be imagining how Jesus might be calling us to be salt of the earth and light of the world at this time and a reminder and acknowledgement that we need God's help and God's leading to enable us to be those kind of people who he's calling us to be. So that was week one. And then the following week, we had Claire talking to us on Discipleship 101. She called, I think, the sort of sermon Discipleship 101 because she was talking about that bit in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus introduces some really basic or foundational and fundamental truths and teaching about the life of discipleship. It's that bit where you hear Jesus repeatedly saying, you've heard it was said in the past. You've heard it was said in the past, don't murder or don't commit adultery. You've heard it was said, you need to love your neighbour, but it's okay to hate your enemy. But Jesus consistently keeps raising the bar or turning up the volume or upping the ante of actually pushing beyond, pushing us beyond doing simply the bare minimum to actually saying, it's not just about not murdering. Don't harbour anger in your hearts. Or it's not just about not committing adultery or not having affairs or not sleeping around, but it's about being completely pure and faithful in our relationships. And it's not just about loving our neighbours, it's about loving our enemies and being willing to go the extra mile. And Claire was really, really honest about the reactions that she and I guess many of us probably have when we hear Jesus um, outlining this incredibly demanding and challenging moral teaching. I think she put it something along the lines of, are you serious, Jesus? Have you any idea what my life is like at the moment? Have you any idea about the challenges and strains and stresses that we're under at the moment? And yet you expect us to be perfect. Come on, give me, give me a break. But then Claire went on to kind of share that beautiful picture of a dry and withered plant, which sums up, I guess, how many of us might be feeling in life at the moment. That sense of being completely exhausted and worn out and exasperated and weary. But Claire shared that when she poured water onto that dry and withered plant, it began to revive. It began to come to life again. And in that context, she encouraged us to be seeking and praying for the assistance, the help of the Holy Spirit that, Lu that Lucy was talking about in that video earlier. The Holy Spirit helps to make us strong. The Holy Spirit helps us to do that which we are unable to do on our own. The Holy Spirit helps to lead us into that life of love that Jesus both modelled and called us to follow in. That was week two. And then um, after that, we had the other Andy, 
Andy Bryce talking to us about truth, not the Truman Show. And he was talking about that bit at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus tells his disciples, be careful not to perform your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. I guess in a nutshell, talking about things like our giving to the needy or praying or other spiritual disciplines like fasting and being really, really careful about doing those things in front of others just for the sake of showing off, just for the sake of looking good. And Andy went on to explore the relevance of that teaching of Jesus in a world where so many of us are really, really keen to put on a good show. So many of us are keen to look good in front of the camera or to give others the impression that we're actually in a better place than we really, really are. And Andy really, really reminded us that actually what matters most is what we're like and what's going on in our hearts when the camera is turned off, when no one else can see us but God. And as part of developing that kind of kingdom, that kind of rightness of the kingdom heart, there's, there was that encouragement in those verses to be practising things like giving and praying and fasting and other things in secret, doing things that, no, that others can't see, because it's then our Father who sees what is done in secret then rewards us. Moving on then, a couple of weeks ago, you had the pleasure of me preaching again. Um, and I was preaching about, well, I, I thought I was originally preaching about two A's, accumulation and anxiety. And then somewhere along the way, a third A, amen, got thrown in for um, good measure. And that was the bit in Matthew 6, where Jesus seems to have a huge amount of quite challenging things to say about our attitudes to money and wealth. He warns his disciples against the dangers of accumulation. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth because ultimately those things won't last and won't satisfy and will wear out. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about anxiety. Be careful about worrying too much about food and clothes and everything else that we spend our lives worrying about because who of you by worrying can add a single hour to their life? But then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and then all those other things, all those other things that we need will be given to us as well. And within that there was that challenge to pay close attention to the things that we find ourselves looking at and longing for, the things that we treasure the most. And Jesus encourages us to spend, um, spend time kind of observing things like the birds and the flowers and other things in the natural world, paying attention to the way that God sustains and feeds the birds and the flowers and everything else, and from that, drawing hope and inspiration and courage that God will also sustain and feed us as we seek first his kingdom.
And then finally, last week, Will was sharing with us and encouraging us and inviting us into what he called a summer of substantial dreams. He got us quite creatively, I thought, to imagine that um, Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount out in the Peak District, maybe somewhere like Higator, and trying to get us to imagine that, as well as simply listening to Jesus, that we were coming to him and bringing him our current reality, coming to him with our hopes and our fears, our joys, our sorrows, our sheer weariness or uncertainty at this particular moment in our lives and the lives of our life of our country and the life of our world. And one of the verses from Matthew that Will kept bringing us back to last week was the one where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And in that context, he was really encouraging us to be praying that God would be giving us um, and helping us to dream substantial dreams, dreams of real substance, dreams of God's kingdom. And I guess kind of to be persistent in that, to keep asking God, to keep seeking him, to keep knocking, to keep desiring him and trusting that um, as we do that, he'll be leading us both individually and as a church into things of greater substance. Um, well, there you have it. There, in a nutshell, is this Supply Preacher's um, whistle-stop tour of some of the teachings of Jesus that we've been um, looking at these past five weeks. Um, but more than anything, I actually want to bring us back to that verse that I shared earlier at the beginning. So, Dave, if we were able to actually flip back, not forward, to that verse... Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. As I said at the beginning, it just feels like that verse and that picture of rebuilding on stronger foundations is an incredibly timely and relevant verse at the moment. So I wonder how God's been talking to you this morning. I wonder what within that whistle-stop tour of this Sermon on, on the Mount has been particularly calling out and calling for your attention at the moment. I've given a very brief overview of five different sermons and five different sets of teaching, and um, I guess many of us will probably struggle to um, hold on to all five things and go away and do all five sets of things immediately. And my sense is that often Jesus calls us to just do one thing, one step at a time. So as I finish, in a moment we're going to be playing a song, a song called I Will Build My Life, which links into some of those themes from the reading. And as we play that song, let me just be encouraging us all to be prayerfully listening and asking God to be highlighting and showing to each of us What's the one thing? What's that one next step? What's that one word of his 
that he's wanting to especially be speaking into our hearts at the moment? And how might we be responding in love and obedience to him? So if we could play that song and we'll be open to listening to what God might be having to say to us this morning. Amen.